ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Michael Perry Podcast. Now, today we're starting with some somber music, okay, because today is kind of a somber day, alright? We're going to be going over some terrible stuff that I've seen on Twitter. We're going to be going over, unfortunately, our women's soccer fall uh, at uh, California today. Um, going to go over such some sad stuff, guys. We're going to be honest. It's not going to be a fun episode. It's not going to be one of those episodes you love to see. Also, this week we were supposed to have Max Lillo on the podcast. But, unfortunately, uh, college assignments decided that he would not be with us on the episode today. He wanted to. He wanted to really bad. He just couldn't do it. And I feel so, so guilty for that. But, guys, that's, you know, that's okay. Stuff happens and you get over it, all right? So today we're just going to go ahead and start off with some stuff. Um, There's this lady. Her name's Taylor Job. Okay, she's dating my roommate, whatever. Uh, She shared a tweet with me and she told me to talk about it uh, on the podcast today. And the tweet says, uh, my girlfriend lives over 200 miles away serving life in prison and she just killed her cellmate. Three guards broke out, held an Uber driver at gunpoint uh, for a four-hour drive just to come see me for an hour. If they want to see you, they'll make the effort. Clearly, this is satire. But it goes to show that if they really want to see you, man, if those, if, if a girl's really into, her, you, into you, dude, okay, they're going to... They're going to go to the extremes to see you, okay? And if they're not willing to go to the extremes to see you, you don't want to see her, okay? Because guess what? You're golden. You understand that? Don't don't ever let somebody tell you you're not golden, okay? Because you are, all right? Here's the thing. We're all made in God's image. Therefore, we're all, you know, pretty good looking, okay? So the fact that someone tries to say, you know, oh, uh, you know, I, I don't need to see you today or, oh, you know, I got homework or whatever, excluding Max Lulu, um... Basically, they're just lying, you know. Um, I mean, that's all I have to say on that tweet, though. But, hey, shout out to that person because they literally blew up 392,000 likes, 65,300 retweets. Um, Kind of a big deal. That's definitely difficult to get. Um, And then another talking point we're going to go over today is Disney Plus versus Netflix. Disney Plus versus Netflix. Okay, I, in an earlier podcast, said that Disney Plus would make no effect to what Netflix is because Netflix at that time was the giant. Nobody could touch Netflix, okay? Here's what I've realized. Um, I was wrong. I'll admit it. Um, Unlike the Dawn, I can admit when I'm wrong. Um, And I was wrong, okay? I did not know how much Disney owns until they actually... um, Put out their streaming service, and they have literally everything on there. It's it's insane. I don't know how Netflix is now going to hold up to them. I really don't. I I'm not gonna say Netflix is gonna go bankrupt because they probably won't. They'll find a way. But they're gonna. I mean, it's gonna be more difficult. That's for sure. That is without a doubt for sure. On this other subject uh, is Mandalorian uh, talking about Baby Yoda. Okay, no, I haven't seen uh, Mandalorian yet uh, because I don't own Disney Plus because, you know, I'm probably not going to get around to, uh, you know, getting that. Um, But it's taken the world by storm. 
okay? I mean, first off, Baby Yoda, they keep calling it Baby Yoda. Okay, Yoda is just a person of their species. That's not Baby Yoda because there's literally mathematically it could not work out for that to be Baby Yoda. I don't think people understand that. Um, it's very kind of annoying whenever I see people referencing Baby Yoda because, like, you clearly – don't know um, the timeline of Star Wars, which makes me sound like a nerd. I'll own up to it. I'll own up to it. I'm a freaking I, – I, I don't know a lot about Star Wars, but I at least know the timeline. If that makes me a nerd, then I don't want to be not a nerd. I, I mean in a sense. But, I mean, it's, it's whatever. You know, um, I just – I don't know. It seems like a really good show. I'm probably going to pirate it because I don't want to have to pay for more streaming services, dude. I'm done, okay? I mean, Disney Plus is the beast, but, like, I don't know, dude. I don't want to get more. You know what I'm saying? Um, so this next the next thing is uh, short-term mission trips. So this is another thing brought up by Taylor Job. Uh, she asks about uh, short-term mission trips. And she, one, of, one of the things Taylor said was that, you know, short-term mission trips have short-term effects. And I think in a sense she's right. You know, I mean, when you get a group of 30 teens to go to, you know, Guatemala uh, for a week to help, you know, uh, build churches there, build some buildings there, yeah, it's, you know, not going to have a long-term effect as in changing someone's life. But I also think it does have a long-term effect because if you're building buildings for the church, that's going to last a long, long time. So I, I, I don't want to downplay short-term mission trips. Now, I will say, though, short-term mission trips, I don't think someone going on a short-term mission trip should go with the mentality that they're going to change, that, that, that they're going to convert someone, that they're going to lead someone to Christ, um, or something like that, the idea that they're going to take the gospel to these sinners. Um, because, one, you're not going to. Literally, the job of a youth group going on a mission trip is to just be grunt work but grunt work for Jesus, okay? And if you go there just assuming that they're all sinners, that's you're kind of um, kind of just, you know, making fun of their culture a little bit, um, kind of degrading their culture a little bit. So it's, it's a little dangerous kind of coming in with that mindset, you know? Um, and then speaking of mission trips, we're going to talk about, this is something Ben James told me to talk about. It's kind of when people treat mission trips like vacations, and he, he, he gets very annoyed by this, and I do too. The idea of like, you go on a mission trip, okay, or you see someone go on a mission trip, they come back, and the very first post, it's all these posts of them, you know, um, mingling with the locals and stuff like that, and the um, very first paragraph is written in the native language that you know they don't speak, and they really don't know what it says. They just got it off Google Translate, let's be honest. Okay, they get off Google Translate, they put it on there, they write, you know, like five or six paragraphs about how, you know, they thought they were going to change lives, but it was their life that got changed, you know, and, and all this stuff. And it's like, look, okay, a mission trip is not a vacation, okay? Especially because, like, half the pictures are typically, like, pictures of, you know, some hike they went on, which is great, you know? It's, it's, it's good to see, it's good to see God's good creation, um, but the thing is, okay, as, as good of God's creation is, you're not going to Guatemala to look at God's creation. You're going there um, to be uh, an agent for the work of Christ, okay? So don't treat it like a vacation. Like, I mean, I, how how simple does that have to be? Like, for real. Um, but it's always annoying. And then, like, you know, six months later, they... Um, 
they, they put a post out saying, oh, how much I miss, you know, uh, Guatemala or how much I miss, you know, the Philippines or something like that. And it's like, it, it's like as if they're contractually obligated to do that because every single person does that. Um, but, oh, well, I mean, you know, you, you hate to see it. You really do. But, hey, it happens, you know. Um but, I mean, again, like I said, I don't disrespect people going on mission trips. I respect it. You know, if you're going on, you know, going to another country, this is something people don't understand. Going to another country, no matter how long you're there, you're probably going to go through some amount of culture shock. Um, I mean, even when I went up to Canada for like four or five days, um, I kind of went through a little bit of like, not necessarily culture shock, of just an absolute shock of where am I? And you're kind of disturbed, but the kind of surprise of like how different the cultures are. Um, but that was a good, good, good subject by Ben James, um, who's actually upstairs. Uh, we're, we're recording, uh, right now from my front room, uh, in my apartment. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, if someone walks in guys, I'm going to be honest, like I've said from the very beginning, this is a trash podcast. We're not putting a lot of effort into it. The mic we're using right now, I didn't even buy Cam Rob bought it for us. Um, but hey, you know, it happens. This next question is actually from Michelle Lichty. Uh, she asks, uh, hair care tips for hippie hair. Well, you know, the thing is about hippie hair is that one, I don't classify my hair as hippie hair. I just classify it as my own hair. You know, long blonde hair, man. That's just me. All right. I mean, I'm the Michael Perry. I can't define myself. I am myself. You know, so hair care tips for long hippie hair, uh, wash it, don't wash it. I think the idea though is just live your life. You know, if someone says, if someone says to you, you know, you gotta, you gotta like, you know, take so much care of your hair, you gotta treat it right, you know. The thing is, if you want to treat your hair right, treat your hair right, man. If you want to grow it out, grow it out. There's no tips. If you're having hippie hair, hippie hair is really just you being your hair, you know, letting your personality flow through that, you know, and I think hippies, the whole thing is that they don't care and I don't care, you know, I just, you want to know why I grew my hair out? You want to know why? I've wanted to grow my hair out since I was a kid. It was Edge, okay, rated R Superstar, all right, I said that in the very first episode of this, okay, love my hair, all that. Um, wanted to grow it out and I did. And another reason was because when I was in college, I knew I wasn't gonna be able to get a haircut. I didn't want it to look like I wasn't getting a haircut. I wanted it to look like I did it on purpose. And I'll be honest, I don't know when the last time I got my hair trimmed. No, you know what? July, July, I got my hair cut seven inches. It went from 20 to 13 inches. And that was a haircut. The only one before that was like August of 2018. And that was when I got a hair trim. I just don't cut it, you know. You just gotta, you just gotta live your life, you know. And and my life is just a laid back, live how I live kind of life. See what happens, and what happens happens, you know. And that's this is kind of how it is. All right. This next uh, topic is NAIA versus D1 collegiate athletics. Um, this is from Ben James, um, and you, you know the question is. I guess, you know, what do you like better or, or, you know, what's the difference, you know, whatever. It's just kind of a talking topic. Here's what I would say. Um, going to an NAIA school, I 
like the fact that our athletics is NAIA um, rather than D1. Because we don't have to pay to go to sports. You know, we get to just walk in for free. And honestly, I think um, that makes it better because everybody, you know, on a Saturday or Friday night can go to a basketball game, watch it, and just scream your heads off, you know. And you can do a lot more for NAIA because it's kind of the small town feel, but with like athletics, it's really cool. But D1... D1's what people watch on TV, you know? I mean, D1, you know, you're talking about pretty much every single team you're seeing on TV. I don't think I've ever seen an NAIA team on TV, ever. You know, and, and their D1 is so competitive that sometimes you don't even see D1 um, on TV, you know? So, uh, I if, if I had to compare them, going to an NAIA school, I'd rather do that than go to D1 school um, to watch it. But, you know, sitting on my butt watching Saturday football, I'm going to watch, um, I'm going to watch Maryland because that's my team. But if I want to watch like good athletics, I'm going to watch D1 instead of, um, NAIA because I mean, honestly, the competitiveness of a D1 school versus NAIA, um, is far superior. Um, but uh, that being said, we're going to go ahead and move on to some politics. Okay, I know a lot of people don't like politics. Well, I don't like you, so no, I'm joking. I love everyone. I really do. Um, except, I mean, a few people I'm not big fans of, but I, I pretty much like everyone. But anyways, we're moving on to uh, the impeachment inquiry. And, you know, I haven't really been keeping up with this because, um, you know, we don't have cable here, so I can't watch it on TV. Um been keeping up uh, on my phone a little bit. I, I just don't really care, honestly. Um, I mean, um, but I got a guy in the room right now named Clayton Sosa. And this dude knows so much about politics. He's actually been keeping up with it a little, quite a bit more than I have. And so, Sosa, do you want to kind of come over here and, you know, spill the beans on the inquiry? Give us, give us an impeachment inquiry update. Sure, Michael. Thanks for bringing me along. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I've been watching the little snippets and little um, clips of it here and there. Mm -hmm. And um, I think overall what I've noticed is, um, you know, bo both sides are asking questions, both the Republicans and the Democrats. Right. Um, so really what, what, what they're doing this in is it is called the House Intelligence Committee. Mm -hmm. That's the committee in the House that's taking on um, this issue. So Adam Schiff is the chairman. Okay. And then the ranking member is Republican because that's the way that it's set now, up. Now, now Adam Schiff, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, is he is he like elected to that position then, right? Yeah. Yes, he is. He serves for one of the districts in California at the national level. I'm Army. assuming he's he's a Democrat then. Yes, he is. Indeed. Okay. Yeah, because if you'll notice, all of the um, chairmen's for all of the um, committees in the House are mm -hmm. Democrats because they hold the majority. They do. So this is what I think is going to happen, Michael. Okay. I think that w w regardless of whatever evidence is presented for the impeachment, I mm -hmm. think that the House will vote to continue the process and for eventual impeachment. Okay. And I think that um, when it gets to the uh, Senate, because the Senate is held by majority Republicans, I think that they will vote it down. So I think President Trump will potentially be impeached in the House, but then acquitted um, in the Senate. So that's my take on it. Okay. Okay. Well, I've actually got some polls here. I'm trying to find uh, the polls. I'm actively looking on my Twitter. It's about uh, impeachment, uh, impeachment inquiry, all that mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. um, 
And and real quick, because a lot of people don't understand the difference between impeachment and removal of office. Okay, um, I need you. I know what it is. I know what the difference is. Um, but I'm not going to be a history slash politics teacher. Mm-hmm. You're going to be correct. So let me correct. let me give you a chance to put some of your teachings yes. out here yes. and yes. actually Thank tell you very people. Much, so, um, um, oh wait, hang on. Before you go, we got Ben James entering the room. Round of applause, Ben James. Woo! Thank you, thank um, you. Absolutely. So go ahead and kind of spill the beans on the so, difference between impeachment yes, and yes, Mike, thank you. So historically speaking, we've had uh, several presidents that have been impeached, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, President Richard Nixon was um, impeached in the House. And the impeachment happens um, in the House, which is the um, one of the bodies in the Congress. Right. And then in the Senate, they vote for removal, which is the other House in the Congress. So President Nixon most likely realized that he was going to be removed when voted mm-hmm. on in the Senate. So he resigned um, before that could happen. Okay. And um, with Bill Clinton, um, he was also impeached in the House as well, but not removed in the Senate. Right. And right. so that that's the main difference. You know, when, when people say, well, he's going to be impeached, they, they automatically think, well, that removal coincides. With right. Mm-hmm. But it really doesn't. No. They're two separate things. And the way that the Constitution um, sets up both houses of Congress, um, the founders put that in place. So whatever came out of the House, it would kind of, you know, cool mm-hmm. off in the Senate because they have a smaller voting body. Okay. So. Now, could you, because unfortunately uh, our education system is not super duper tubular, um, could you kind Compared of, to other countries. Compared to other countries. Um, compared to some, it's fairly well. Oh, yeah, yeah, we <laughs> let's, we let's, blow a few countries yeah. out of the water. Oh, totally, a few totally. countries don't even have Absolutely education. Good, sir. Um, Absolutely so, good, sir. So, could you kind like of North Korea? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, I think when you're starving to death, education is a bit. Um, yeah, you, you need to You want to get a little food in your tummy You can't first. have school lunch programs if you don't have school lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally. So could you kind of break down the difference between um, the Senate and the House of Representatives, specifically the numbers? Because unfortunately, Clayton, I don't think you're going to believe how many people don't know what the difference is. Okay, so the United States Congress was set up um, in the Great Compromise at the Constitutional Convention in 1787. Mm-hmm. And um, so the House is based on the population of um, right. each state and those districts in each state. So I'll just take um, Ohio, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, we have 16 congressional districts, and in each of those districts, roughly 700,000 people live wow. um, because that, that's the way it was set up, about um, one representative per 700,000 people mm-hmm. um, that they represent. So that's based on the population. And then on the other side, the Senate, um, that is equal in every state, two senators for every state. Okay. So that way um, it's equal in the Senate, but it's based on the population um, in the House. Okay, nice, nice. And so these the poll, I found it, it says... Um, the first one is, will Trump be impeached? Remember, impeachment is not investigation. Is uh, is the investigation not the removal from office? Sixty-one percent said he will get impeached. Thirty-nine said no. I said uh, if impeached, will the investigation lead to Trump's removal of office? Forty-three percent said yes. Fifty-seven percent say no. Uh, then I asked, do you want Trump impeached? Uh, 61% said yes. 39% said no. Um, do you want Trump removed from office? 58% said yes. 42% said so, no. So you're pretty much saying, regardless of what the opinion is towards him, you said that more people mm-hmm. said that he would not be removed, correct? Um, 57? They said, yeah, they said more people, yeah, yeah, yeah more people right? believe yeah. that he won't be removed. But everyone who said, um, uh, you know, I asked, do you want yep, Trump impeached? Exactly. 61 yep. said yes. Of 
uh, you know, then I ask, do you want Trump removed from office? 58 mm-hmm. also said yes. I think I think that's some uh-huh. informed voting there because I think a lot of those people might realize that there's 53 Republican members in the Senate. So they mm-hmm. would most likely not vote for removal. So right. it could be some informed uh, voting. Right. Definitely. Now, because uh, the inquiry is really just to find out, okay, should we proceed with impeachment? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because if you remember, Michael, a couple of weeks back, they voted for continuing the process in mm-hmm. the House. Not not for the impeachment itself. Right. But just continues. And, and that's what we're witnessing right now, these committee hearings. Right. So, um, so <coughs> well, thank you for being on. Yes, um, thanks for that little bit. Uh huh. I'll see you around. Um, so that was a special guest appearance by the Clayton Sosa, um, and that's kind of all we're going to talk about as far as impeachment and stuff like that. But there is something I want to talk about, um, and then this this Donald Trump children's book I, I unfortunately ran across. This is this is just one of those things where like you wish it was a nightmare, but unfortunately it's not. So. If you know Billy Graham, Billy Graham was this great evangelist. A lot of people call him America's preacher or whatever. Uh, he had a couple kids. One of them was Franklin Graham. Now, Franklin Graham is a lot more political than Billy Graham ever was. Uh, Franklin Graham is uh, pretty much the leading voice of the conservative evangelicals uh, in America. And he's very political. Um, he's a big, big supporter of Donald Trump. Not a big supporter when Obama was in. He didn't like Obama, but he loves Donald Trump. And there's this uh, guy, his name's Eric uh, Metaxas, um, and he had Franklin Graham on his show. And now Eric, he he wrote a couple kids' books. One is uh, Donald Drains the Swamp. The other is Donald Builds the Wall. And it's these children's books, and that's my, yeah, that's people leaving, don't worry, it's my uh, front room. Anyways, uh, it's a storybook about, you know, Donald draining the swamp, Donald dr- Donald builds the wall, and it's it's set in this, like, caveman era where <laughs> Donald Trump, he's wearing this, like, caveman kind of uh, outfit or whatever, um, and it's, it's an American flag, just kind of wrapped around his body, um... It's interesting. It's interesting. Like, like you know how someone wear, like, that cheetah tunic, you know, that cavemen wear? Okay, it's like that, but it's an American flag. Um, and I uh, I went on Amazon to look at this. I just kind of researched, seeing if it's real or not. Unfortunately, guys, uh, it's real. It, it is. Um, and so I'm just going to focus specifically on Donald Builds the Wall. So let me, let me describe the front cover. And if you're listening to this, I highly encourage you, if you're listening on Spotify or SoundCloud, you can exit while still listening to this podcast, okay? So go ahead and exit and Google this. Please Google this as I'm describing it. But Donald has this wall in front of him. He's got thumbs up in one hand. Um, and in the other hand, he's got this beating stick that says, we the people, it's engraved on it. Maybe that's supposed to be the declaration rolled up, but I think it's a beating stick. And there's this, there's a swamp monster that has AOC in one arm and Bernie Sanders in the other. Um, and there's this wall between them. Um, I guess that's the wall that Donnie builds. And beside Donald, <laughs> it's this little bird. And it's the t- 
the Twitter logo as a bird. Um, I don't know why I laughed so hard at that, but I just find that hilarious. <laughs> and it's it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Um, and let me just let me just kind of read this off real quick. Uh, Such a blessing to talk with Franklin Graham today about POTUS and impeachment and about Samaritan's Purse and their amazing. Um, Operation Christmas Child Shoeboxes program. They're shipping 11 million uh, to needy kids around the world. Uh, go to Samaritan's Purse to participate. First off, let me kind of focus on Samaritan's Purse. I do highly, highly respect this. Um, they're sending uh, Christmas gifts to kids uh, over in a lot of these underdeveloped areas. And they're just kind of giving them uh, some toys, some gifts, stuff like that. And um, they're also kind of spreading the gospel and people's lives are being changed over there. And that's great. But, uh, you know, there's a link here, uh, to the book, Amazon.com, uh, you know, Donald builds the wall. And unfortunately guys, uh, this, all of the reviews I'm reading, they say, um, is, you know, it's great comedy, um, both for adults and for children. People like it, stuff like that. Now, let me, let me describe, let me read off the product description for you. Um, <clears throat> After Donald the caveman drained the swamp and the greedy swamp creatures fled, the cave people were free. So all kinds of great things began to happen. They invented fire and the will and their economy was booming. Soon, folks from other kingdoms began arriving uh, to join the winning experiment in liberty. Most were freedom-loving, but only some caused trouble. And then the awful swamp creatures decided to put together a caravan of troublemakers to come back and take over the country. What should the free people do? Donald knew the answer. Build the wall. Written by number one national best-selling uh, author and humorist Eric McTaxis um, and illustrated by award-winning artist uh, Tim Raglan, Donald Builds the Wall continues the brilliant political parable that began with Donald Drains the Swamp. I hope I don't have to explain why this is so bad. I mean, this is literally indoctrination for the children. This is pure nationalism at and it's just it's purest. This is this is just nationalism being shoved into our faces, and we're told to give this to our children. The 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 caravan. Let me explain this. The caravan that was coming up to the southern border, okay, was all asylum seekers. For them to file as asylum seekers, you have to get into the United States. Then you have to file as an asylum seeker. As they're coming up to the border, the National Guards started shooting tear, tear gas at them. We responded with violence. Now, from a national perspective, if I'm being honest, okay, when a whole caravan of people come up to your southern border, okay, it's a little scary. Probably, you know, if, if, if from a national perspective, might not be a wise idea to greet them with open arms. Here's the difference. Um, Franklin Graham is a pastor. He's a minister. He's not a president. He does not need to support a president. Who would do that? Okay. I'm not saying you don't have to renounce him. I don't, I'm not saying you have to, you know, say his actions wrong. I'm just saying your job is not the president. You don't have to worry about what the national idea or, or what what the good 
decision for the country would be, your job as a minister is to show the love of God to every single human being on this earth because let us remind ourselves that all humans are created in the image of God. Something I referred to earlier in this podcast. Now, I was a little bit lighter when I was saying that, but here's the thing. It's the hard truth. It's the honest truth. Every single person in this world was created in the image of God. That being said, it is not your job to say, oh, you know what? This caravan's a little scary. We need to greet them with a wall. No, no. See, your job as a minister, okay, funny thing is, is to say, you know what? I don't know if you have a green card. I don't know if you're here legally. I don't know. But the what I do know is I am told by Christ, God incarnate, that if someone is hungry, I should feed him. Now, the funny thing is, it does not say, uh, footnote, oh, they have to be a legal citizen. Okay, they have to be here legally, um, or they have to be an actual uh, asylum seeker who's already seeked asylum, or they have... No, 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 no. The funny thing is, it just says, feed the hungry. Okay, that's all it says. Okay, if someone comes to you and they need shelter, you give it to them. If someone needs a blanket, you give it to them. If, if someone needs food, you give it to them. Okay, you show the love of God to every single human on this being. Okay, I mean every single human being on this planet. Okay, and you know what happens? You want to know what happens if we don't? You want to know what happens? Okay, because here's the thing. Jesus said, um, surely when you uh, feed the hungry, um, you're feeding me. Um, and they ask, uh, let me, let me just pull this verse up specifically. Um, Matthew 25, uh, 35, let me, let me pull up Matthew 25. Okay. Just so that I can read, uh, the word of Jesus Christ, our Lord, um, word for word. And I don't botch anything, but let me, let me read this. Okay. Um, let me hang on right here. Okay. Um, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry... And you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison? And go to visit you. The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you do for the least of these, you have done for me. Then he will say those. Then he will say to those on his left, "Depart from me, you who are accursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels." For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. 
They will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or needing clothes or sick in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So let's just recap real quick what the dangers are of not showing love, not feeding the hungry, not sheltering the unsheltered. It's eternal damnation. This dude wants to sit there and say, okay, you know, uh, these people are, are wrong, these people are wrong. I mean, I mean, Franklin Graham is a huge, huge, huge fighter against um, same-sex marriage. Okay, fine. Um, he's a f big fighter against the transgender community. Okay, sure. Um, he's big against, uh, you know, the LGBTQ community. Okay. Um, in all of that, I'm wondering how he's showing the love of Christ because personally I haven't seen it, but then he goes on to support this children's book and they describe the asylum seekers as monsters. That's literally what it's written in the book. These asylum seekers are monsters. I don't think don't think Christ sees people created in him's image as monsters. Rather, I think Christ sees them as someone who needs shelter, as someone who needs clothes, someone who needs food, someone who's in prison and needs visited. I wonder, and maybe I, I'm stretching this, but I'll go for it. What about the kids in those cages? I think we're called to try and visit them, but we can't. We can't visit them. What's interesting, though, is when they come out. There's actually a Nazarene Compassionate Ministry out there that um, as soon as someone's released from the cages, um, they actually follow that command. They give them shelter, they give them food, and they give them blankets, and they help them get on their feet and headed to right, towards the right path. But I wonder what Franklin Graham's doing about that. I wonder how much food he's given to the undocumented immigrants as they cross. Yeah, I guess they're technically breaking the law, sure, but what's interesting in that passage is that it does not specify whether or not we're allowed to feed those who have broken the law. No, rather it says if they're hungry, feed them. I wonder, I wonder how the conservative evangelicals are feeding the hungry. They call people illegal immigrants and find, I guess that's their technical name, but really it's, it's very demeaning towards them, but let's skip it for now. Um, I wonder how much they've gone out of their way to feed them because they are hungry. I wonder how much they've gone out of their way to shelter them, to give them a blanket. Questions to ponder, I guess, I don't know, but I don't know, I don't know how the, how someone who calls himself a minister could so easily lack showing the love of God to the stranger 
It is our job to welcome the stranger. It does not matter whether or not they have a green card. It does not matter whether or not they're here legally. What's interesting is when you read it, it does not specify on that. Rather, it says, welcome the stranger. May we welcome him. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the Michael Perry Podcast for this week.